going to take time to pray here, and I want you to just pray right there as we do a lot, um, is pray, um, you know, just to yourself. I want you to just talk to God right now, okay? I want you to, to have a conversation with Him. Um, and uh, the reason why is because, uh, man, I have like a limited ability to do much up here, okay? I can preach a sermon, and um, I can read out of God's Word, and um, that's what I can do, but... God is who changes us, okay, and um, I know I need to do my best for sure, and I need to prepare in all of those things, but really the power comes from God. The power is His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit's here right now. His Holy Spirit's everywhere, right, and it's that idea of, you know, sometimes it's really important uh, that we have a conversation with God and just go, okay, we're about to read your word. Uh, we're about to hear some things, some thoughts, um, and then, what well, you know, uh, what, what I always try to do is, okay, God, talk to me. Talk to me here, okay? Because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my head, a lot of things that can, like, divert me. You know, and, and my attention span is like your attention span, right? It's about seven or eight seconds. You, you get those little bursts, okay? That's why, take notes, write the word. You're going to go back and remember this stuff, hopefully, all right? But, um, but just pray, talk to God. And, and as I said last week, if you don't want to hear from him, tell him that. I dare you. <laughs> you know, but, but, but talk it out with him, okay? Go, go I don't want to hear you right now. And, 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 and you want to know what? But we've got to put our hearts in a place where we're going, man, okay, I want to hear God's voice in my life. So let's take some time and just pray where you are. Father, we are desperate to have more of you, God. We want it even when we don't think we want it. We need it. We need you. Um, we need your kingdom. We need uh, your reign over our lives, Father. And uh, thank you so much for the grace that you give us. And it's not just when we're washed of our sins, God. You're giving us, you're lavishing, you're pouring out grace on us every second, God. Just sitting here, just, just allowing us to read in your word, allowing us to to gather, Father, uh, just legally. <laughs> um, you are just lavishing so many good things on us. But, Father, I pray that um, just make us aware so we aren't overfed, God, so we aren't spoiled. Um, God, I, I pray that we don't take things for granted. Please teach our hearts um, as we read your word. And, um, and, God, I pray that we're different, that we leave here different, that we, we treat people differently because of your word. God, help us to always hear your gospel, Father, is the reason why we do these things, God. And just thank you. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to 1 Peter. We've made it to chapter 2 after a few weeks, okay? We've been, like, plodding through chapter 1. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't been in here for whatever reason is is every this is really progressive okay so it's really important as peter wrote which we see as the first chapter he didn't make chapters okay what we see is the first chapter um there was a reason that he went into that and it's really important why he talked the way he talked and wrote the way he wrote okay and remember the overarching theme is 
we want to be more faithful. You know, think about it this week. How often did you step out on faith and, or, or you woke up or there was a situation where you're going, okay, I have a choice to be worldly or I have a choice to be faithful here. I can trust God and what he says or I'm going to abandon that and trust me. Okay, how often have we done that? And remember, when we become mindful of that, there's a lot of opportunities each and every day. There's a lot of opportunities. I I keep finding more and more how much fear kind of guides me in a normal day and how much I stop even thinking that it's fear. Right. And and when when I stop and I'm going, hold on a minute, what would a faithful decision be in this conversation? What would faith look like in this scenario? What would faith look like as I go in this place? Right. What would be a faithful decision? disciple look like going in here and then I find out you know what I get scared a lot I think we all do I mean I think that as much as we try not to be scared the world is kind of a scary place relationally you know and and man it just is so we want to grow in this we want to see this and 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 again we're we're getting the idea from Peter man how to grow in faith all right We're, we're just not trying to do like some quick like, do these three things and you'll be faithful, right? Growing in faith, it just takes time, right? It's adding into it. And we get to read what he wrote from his own life here on becoming progressively more and more faithful, right? Um, so First Peter 2, th- I like this. This is my favorite transformer, okay, is Optimus Prime. I love this guy. I've had, when I was little, I got an Optimus Prime uh, transformer, Okay, I don't know how familiar everybody is with Transformers, but there's a, there's a tagline that goes with Transformers. Does anybody know what it is? More than meets the eye. More than meets the eye, and you have to sing it, right? <laughs> right? It's like, it, it is. There's more than meets the eye. This is like a little teaching section as we read the Bible. Um, is One of the most difficult things to do as we study the Bible um, is to read what might not be there. What do I mean by that? Um, there's more than meets the eye in the Bible, okay? is when Peter writes, um, it's flavored by something, and hopefully we see it over and over and over again. The writing is flavored by him understanding the kingdom of God. That's really, really important. And, 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 and we can go, oh, yeah, Keith, I know about that. No, no, that was the crux of the gospel, was there's a new king, right? And so everything we read, we can't just read it and go, okay, this is isolated. It's like, no, no, no. This is from a guy who's living in the kingdom, whose king is Jesus, and he's saying, here's how to do this, okay? We can't think about it any other way. So we've got to think that everything is colored with the gospel, right? Remember the gospel, the gospel and the kingdom, man, they're, they go hand in hand with one another, right? Is the kingdom gospel, it's a new king, a new life, and a new way to do it. Right? That's good news. Okay, That's when, when the gospel was proclaimed, it's actually what that word meant. It's when there was a new king, the people came through and said, there's a new king. All right? Except in this case, it's good news that it's a king. Because you know what? Most rulers that we know, they don't do very well when it comes to, to integrity, ethics, right? of not oppressing people. But Jesus coming in, this was the good news. Man, there's a new king, a new life, and a new way to do life. Okay? So that's all in there. That's like the transformer. That's, there's more than meets the eye. This is all in everything we read. Okay? Is this idea right here. Okay? Um, so let's look at 1 Peter 2. Um, we're getting into some things right here. This is awesome, right? And this is simple stuff. Right? 1 Peter 2, verse 1. This is, 
This is easy. Oh, I should probably get there. There we go. First Peter 2, verse 1, it says, So rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Okay, that's simple. All right, but, you know, sometimes we pass over things because we don't understand them. Sometimes we pass over things because we do understand them. <laughs> like, let's get past this one. I don't want to stop here, okay? Uh, hold on a minute. These things are other people do these things, okay? Let, let me just do something that's really cool here, though, about what, the way Peter writes. So one of the things that Peter does here um, that's fairly complicated is there's, it says, so rid yourself of all malice. That, that word to go and rid yourself. It, it's actually the, the, the Greek form of that is a really, really complicated form because we don't have one in English. So it's, it, essentially what it really means, what it, what it means like in the literal sense is having rid yourself, since you've rid yourself, okay? And so it's a really, honestly, isn't it a great kind of teaching technique too is the idea of, hey, you remember you rid yourself of these things. R- remember? Did you? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you remember you did that, right? And it's kind of like, uh, I think I remember doing that. Okay? And it's interesting because he said, no, there's the spiritual ridding, right? I mean, you have, you have Galatians 3.27 where you put Christ on. You, you clothe yourself with Christ at baptism, right? I mean, there's this idea of, yeah, yeah, God rid me of these things. But he said, no, this is how you were taught too, okay, is Rid yourselves of these things of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, right? And it's funny that Paul actually said something like this too, right? Because if it was just Peter saying it, you go, well, all right, maybe Peter was having a bad day and he was just sick and tired of the people slandering him and all that kind of stuff. Except Paul said something about this. And if you want to write this down and study it out, there's actually a parallel section of one of Paul's letters, all right? Ephesians 4, 22 through 30. Right. Let's take a look at that real quick. I wasn't going to do that, but I feel like we need to. Amen. Ephesians 4. We'll start in verse 20. Hey, Paul, this is Paul now. This isn't even Peter writing this. Paul says, but that's not how you learned about the Messiah. Assuming you heard about him. Assuming you were taught by him because the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, and you're being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Since you put away lying, speak the truth to one another, because we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his hands. So he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what's good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you. It's really interesting. You know, if, if Paul and Peter both walked in here, they would go, listen, we're, we get this, right? I mean, this is really 
absolutely important, okay, that we understand this. It's this idea of, remember, did you rid yourself of this? Do you remember ridding yourself of this? Do you remember putting off your old self and putting on your new self? Do you remember doing that, right? Jesus said something about this as well. You're going, well, does Jesus even talk about this? You can write down in Luke 6, verse 45. You want to know what Jesus said? He said, you want to know what comes out of your mouth? It's what's in your heart. What's inside, okay? So can you see kind of the connection that they're making here is this idea of, man, you don't know what? What's inside of us comes out eventually. What's inside of us gets spoken. What's inside of us gets, is built, is, is what can either hurt relationships or build relationships. What's inside of us? So in many cases, he's teaching us, remember we learned, we talked about last week, this is about inside-out transformation, right? This isn't just about behaviorally changing. This isn't just like, okay, let me stop doing that. It's like, hold on a minute, something's got to change on the inside. Right. Something has to do that, right? And, and so what I really want to do, just slow down for a second here, okay? And let's personalize this just a little bit, okay? Let me see if I went there. Okay. Um, and when you think about this, you're going, does, does anybody have malice anymore? Does anybody use that word? Uh, not often, you know. I mean, there was a movie that had that. I remember when I was like in the 80s, right? It was, I was a little kid, and you go to the video store to rent a video, and there was this movie, Absence of Malice, that I always saw. I never knew what it was about. For some reason, it sticks in my head, though. So uh, who knows? But uh, we don't necessarily use that word. Uh, but here's the interesting thing is, is what the word means, what he's talking about, is a desire to injure um, and not just physically injure, a desire to injure, a desire to, to hurt somebody, right? And, and these are the parts of, like, discipleship that we're like, well, the other people do that, right? <laughs> like, not people who are in church on Sunday morning. But I want you to think about it. I want you to personalize this. Can you think of anybody that would go, man, I acted out in malice, towards this person. And it doesn't have to be an unrepented sin. I mean, just think about, man, has this ever happened? Can you identify with this at all? This idea of going, man, you know what? I see somebody hurt and it doesn't make me feel that bad that they got hurt. Right? Now, now think about this. Is you can have this and no one would know it by looking at me and you. Isn't that crazy? I'm like... Again, here's the deal is, is, is I'm thinking, God, you know what would be awesome? What if you had like a little like indicator buttons on your forehead, right? Because wouldn't this help us be more accountable, right? Wouldn't it be? It's like, it's like you, you walk into church and you're like, oh, so good to see you. And the malice button's going beep, beep, beep. You know, we're asking for prayer requests. We're like, oh, man, Byron's not feeling good. And you hear people, boop, boop, boop. You know, everybody's like, yeah, you know, but. But the thing about it is, is it's, it's just amazing because it sounds silly, but, you know, it's amazing. God could have made a way for it to be outwardly known what's going on on the inside. And isn't it more difficult when other people don't know? Because there's a temptation to go, man, I'm going to cover it up. Like, I, no, 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 I want to look better on the outside. I want to I put, like, this exterior that no one really sees what's going on except it's interesting peter and paul and jesus they all know that what goes on on the inside is what's corruptive right and he's saying man this is a big deal and here's the other cool thing is because there isn't an indicator okay um, he's really saying you want to know what discipleship is about you've really got to want it you've really got to want it because it's not super comfortable 
It's not comfortable to be honest about kind of the demons inside of us, right? It's not comfortable to look into there and personalize it and go, you know what? I acted this way, you know? And, and really going down and like even going through my prayer journal and personalizing this and going, okay, who, who are the people that this has happened to in my life? All of a sudden it goes from just being a little verse to going, oh my goodness. It becomes like this three-dimensional kind of thing of, of gratitude to God that he tr- doesn't treat me like my sins deserve. Gratitude to God that we're, I get to learn um, but also really kind of brokenhearted because you don't, you know, I don't want to treat people bad. I, I don't want to. And I know you don't either. You just don't want to. And then it, it happens and we can just kind of move on and never think about it. And man, it just can kind of fester in there, right? This desire to see somebody injured. He says, get rid of all deceit. That, that's a funny word right here because deceit means to catch something with bait, right? He says, get rid of all deceit. Okay, get rid of this kind of this idea of catching something. So it's like, it's like you're not really honest. It's kind of manipulative. All right? You're not really up front. Is, is you kind of have a hidden motive. All right? And, and again, there's no way any of us could look and say, yeah, you, you've got this. Yeah, you're struggling with this. I can tell you're struggling with it. No, 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 there's no way. It's God going, listen, following me, you've got to really want this. Because it's really good news. Because here's the reason why. You know what? Malice is all up inside of us and deceit is all up inside of us. How, how are you feeling? At, it, it, no matter how you look on the outside, how are you feeling on the inside? Not good at all, right? And the thing about it is, you know what? There's a principle in really just humanity is um, hurting people hurt people. That's just a principle. You can't get around that, okay? Is hurting people. And it's that idea of, you want to know what? When we're full of malice. When we're full of it, I know this for me. When I've been full of this, I feel like these are the easy things to be full of. You know, is man, you want to know what's interesting is it's you lash out, you're defensive, you're angry, you're bitter, you're all of these things. Hurting people hurt people. Okay, he said, get rid of all hypocrisy, you know, and that's just a funny one because that's like, you know, just like the mask that you can wear. Like, I'm one way, but I'm really another way. Right? I, I behave one way here and I behave another way here. Just get rid of that. Right? And again, it's that idea of, of a hidden side. Man, there's something so amazing about, um, about just getting everything out. There's something that makes you just feel better. It, it's funny because we've said it before. Talk show hosts get this. Dr. Phil gets this. Oprah gets this, you know, it's this idea they bring these poor people up on stage and they're just, Dr. Phil is pulling everything out of them and they spill it. And it's like, man, I, you know, we all feel better. Well, Jesus invented that, right? Is this idea of, man, bring things out into the light. And believe me, there will be times of refreshing, no matter how bad it is, no matter how ashamed, because here's the interesting thing that I've learned. I've done this in my life and I've known people that have done this is a lot of times there's a spiritual mask that can be worn, and it isn't something like some evil, like, intent. It's on because there's fear, right? right? There, there's fear of, if somebody knew this about me, it would be the worst. Like, people wouldn't love me, okay? And the truth is, is oftentimes you may have experienced that in your own home, right? Where you're going, no, 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 I keep the mask on because... Believe me, I've learned this from people I love, that if they know the real me, they won't love me, 
okay? And what's too bad, but what's really neat at the same time is the way God builds in discipleship um, is that as we love one another as brothers and sisters, um, there, there is something about knowing that they know everything about me and they still love me. And do you wonder what? That's a reflection of reminding us of God loving us, of going, man, he's, he has, no matter how much we've tried to hide, he knows, God knows exactly every nook and cranny of the worst part of every bad day of our life. And isn't it amazing if we were to personalize that, it would break us all down for God to face-to-face say, you want to know what? And I would still die for you. That would break. It's meant to. It's meant to know that you mean God at my worst moment. See, that's the new king we're talking about. That's why it's so important to remember that because there will be a time in everyone's life if it hasn't happened already, we're going to go, I don't want people to know this. I don't want people to find this out. I don't want to. And, and, And it's interesting is because over years of being a disciple, I find that I have to relearn that over and over again. You know, it's the idea of, oh, man, this is so amazing. Wow, I feel so loved and so much better and so much support and encouragement and all this stuff. And then you go down and you're like, oh, no, people can't know this about me. Oh, no, 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 they can't know, you know, what kind of, you know. I mean, for me, what's always scared is, man, I want to be like a tough guy. I don't want people to know I'm a baby and I'm scared about things and I'm a whiner and all that kind of stuff. And, and it, that's just hard, right? Um, but we just got to keep, he says, get rid of that. Just rid yourself of that. He goes, because you've been rid of it. It's, it's happened, but it might still be there in you, right? He says, don't be envious. Get rid of it. Envious, what is that? I mean, there's something that comes along. Envy is like a little different than jealousy where it's um, a little bit similar to malice, actually, where it's like, I kind of like it when you fall, I like that because somehow it makes me feel better as a disciple. It makes my worth greater. You know, have you ever, just think about that. Has that ever crossed your mind where something amazing has been going on? Or maybe it's this idea of, you, you know, man, do you ever feel a little better when maybe somebody you're meeting with or getting together with, they're having a hard time and you're going, man, I kind of feel better about myself. Right, that, that's, that's envy is coming out, okay? is this idea of, man, them, them being brought down low is making me feel better. Them not doing well is making me feel better because it's this idea of you put them, you're envious. You put them on a little bit of a pedestal. They're better than me. Man, but it's nice. You know, it's this idea. It's nice when you fall because it makes me feel better, okay? Boy, you want to know what? We're crazy to think that Satan doesn't mix those things up in all of our heads. We haven't become that righteous, Okay, we, we just have it. It's going to be there. It's going to be thrown in there. And he said, get rid of slander, you know, just backbiting, just making people look bad, just using words to do that. Okay, and it's interesting because all of these, we can't look at each other and see that this is what's going on. All right. We've got to be accountable and responsible. But think about all of these things, what they have to do with our relationships. Isn't it amazing? All of these destroy relationships. All of these, and not even like a destructive, like a bomb, okay? It's like a sinkhole that just over time just kind of wears out. 
the, the foundation, just wears it out. And so it's that idea of, is that how you and I, do we want our relationships to be categorized by this little sinkhole that keeps like developing over time? And then you know what happens after a while with a sinkhole? It just collapses. Okay. And we're learning here. And you're going, okay, well, man, Keith, then what do I do? I don't, oftentimes we don't know what to do. We're like, I do have these things. These things come into my life. Maybe they aren't now, but they have been and they will again and all that kind of stuff. And here's the simple. You want to know what? Discipleship should be very simple. Okay. There is a principle over and over and over again. Light is good. Okay. You've got to, you've got to repeat that self in your, repeat that line in your head. Light is good. What does that mean? Is something get, gets out instead of staying in. Okay. And so it's that idea of, Hey, come here, come here, trusted buddy. Come here, come here, let me talk to you about this, okay? Now, here's what I won't say. Here's what I will say, though, is I'm going to use Ben as an example, okay? I'm going, man, I'm struggling with all these things with Ben, <laughs> like all of them. I need to get it out. I need to confess and be open. I go, man, Ben, I need to talk to you. I have so much malice and envy and Slander, I've slandered. You know, it's those kind of things. And we're like, maybe that shouldn't be your first step, okay? Because sometimes we make our problem somebody else's problem because Ben's going, I didn't even do anything. I'm just like living. I'm just like living life. And this is a you problem. And sometimes even in our sinfulness, we turn it around to, to go, okay, I'm going to repent of this, but I want you to feel a little bit of this. And then it gets in your head, right? Then you're like, oh, dang, did I do something? Did I, man, maybe I, oh, gosh, now I'm like, no, no, no. Here's what I share with people is find a trusted brother or sister that isn't that person. And that won't be lured into your sin, okay? okay you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? It's like, it's like hey, I want to talk to you about somebody. <laughs> Right, exactly. Right, me and Byron have this conversation all the time, you know. Uh, but, but it's that idea of going, man, I got to tell you about this. I'm so envious. And they go, yeah, you know what? They need to get off their high horse, you know. And that's not the brother or sister you need to talk to. You need to talk to somebody going, dude, that is sin. Okay, and that's really important as we accept people's confession is that we remember we don't get drawn in to their sin, man. Go, yeah, you know what? I didn't like Ben either. And you see how he sang that song and he thinks he's all that, you know, and, and go, no, 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 you don't understand. We need to help our heart get righteous. Okay. So just be aware of that, but we've got to be great at confessing. All right. And the first place to start is with God. That's the first place to start. Okay. Is go, man, sit down and have more than a 30 second conversation with God about this and it may be days of confession over something all right and then hey trusted buddy trusted sister trusted brother come here can i talk to you about this because i need help i'm not in a good place okay yeah and then you want to know what sometimes they do need to be directed like hey you know what you slandered this brother you need to go and apologize you need to go talk to the people you slandered him to and you need to apologize to them, okay? There's practicality to this, but there's also wisdom of going, I want to be really serious about being rid of this, okay? So we get light on things. That's a great principle. You want to know what's really cool? I love that. I think in a lot of cases, I mean, I feel that on a weekly basis. I, I love that about the congregation because I do, I hear this happening, right? I love the relationships that are built where this can go on, okay? But we want to keep getting better at it, okay? Let's not let Satan get a foothold there. And then it's just repentance, right? Thinking differently. Um, 
So I'll give you an example. So I was praying. I, I was just kind of churned up over a relational situation last week, okay? And um, so I've been a disciple long enough to know kind of how to code pray, you know, like, like how do I pray that God takes vengeance on this person but not make it sound that way, right? And, and you know, and so it's that idea, and I'm praying, and, you know, just this super spiritual, probably sounding prayer in my head about God, you know, you know what they've done, and you know this, you know, like code, like go get them. <laughs> go get them, God. Come on, man. Yes. And so anyway, I pray, and, and literally the thought that comes to my mind is, do you want me to treat you with grace and mercy? That, that's the thought that came into my mind as I was praying. I'm going, well, that's a different subject. <laughs> that's me, right? God, I'm your favorite, of course, right? Grace and mercy for me, right? Because I'm going, but God, you know, read the Psalms, man. I mean, these guys were talking about like killing people. But see, the point is, it's like, dude, slow down. Can you pray that I deal with this person with the grace and mercy you want from me? And dude, that was hard because I wouldn't say no, but I felt like saying no. <laughs> I felt like, no, God, you don't understand. I've never done what they did. <laughs> like their sin is worse. And then I'm going, hold on a minute. Um, you mean I'm supposed to forgive others the way Jesus forgave me? Wow, that became real. Right. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, so part of this part of the repentant process is thinking about and going through and going, wow, when these things happen in my life is personalizing it and going, you know what I'm going to start doing? I need to get my life and my prayer life in a place where instead of envy and slander and deceit and malice and all this kind of stuff, man, I am committed to praying for them the same way I pray for my own family, the same way I pray for me when I'm struggling, the same way. You know, and you all know what? Sometimes the heart doesn't come along with it right away. Yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, if you think that it's just going to be like, oh, I did it and it didn't work. Right. It'll work. Believe me. I mean, God doesn't not work. OK, but we just got to stay at it because believe me, God is not going to let us keep a hard heart about this stuff. OK, so he's like doing this and, and just thinking, man, um, is this a normal part of our life? You know, we've been talking about fasting becoming a normal part of our life. What about confession and repentance being a normal part of our life, right? Something that just is like, hey, let me share with you what's going on on the inside, like all this junk that's in here. And starting in prayer and then getting with that trusted brother or sister, right? But then he goes on here and he says, listen, just like a newborn baby crave pure spiritual milk. So in in three weeks when the baby's born, uh, Sarah and Ben's baby, no, (laughs) two and a half months, two and a half months. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. A little context here, okay? He's obviously writing to people who are young in the faith, okay? He's like, hey, remember this. Like newborn children, crave this spiritual milk so you can grow up, okay? So you can grow up. Because you remember, you've probably heard other passages, um, Hebrews 5, end of 5, into Hebrews 6, where the writer of Hebrews said, listen, I I wish you you were off the milk, but I have to feed you milk because you're not ready for solid food, okay? Sometimes you go, oh yeah, milk is bad. No, 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 milk is good, but we have to to grow up, right? We've got to grow up, but here's the interesting thing to me. He just talked about this relational sin, okay? He talked about malice and deceit and hypocrisy and slander and all these things 
And then he says, listen, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. It's so interesting because as I read it more, I was like, you know what? Could there be a correlation between relational sin and how much I crave God? Could, could there be a correlation there? Right? Could there be something to this when you said, hey, get rid of this, but crave this? Right? We know that to be the case when it comes to like normal food. Right? Have you ever stopped eating? Well, like, for instance, like the 21-day fast. Have you stopped eating something for a long time? Did you develop, have you ever done that before where you've developed a hunger for something that's good when you've gotten rid of a food that's bad? Have you guys ever done that before? Um, years and years ago, um, I, I was reading an article about a runner, a marathon runner, and he said his favorite snack food was frozen grapes. And I was like, really? I'm like, frozen grapes? Like, that's what I eat when there's nothing else in the house. And they're not frozen. Like, I don't, I don't even take the time to freeze them. Right? He's like, no, those are the, his favorite snack. I'm like, better than a Kit Kat? Better than a pastry? I'm like, come on, man. I mean, you can't tell me grapes and good junk food. There is no, but here's the interesting thing. When I stopped eating that junk food, it was so interesting how my taste buds, everything changed to what I really loved. Like, it was like you would crave, like, oh, man, grapes. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, those things are incredible. Everything tasted different because I stopped eating junk, okay? And then that lasted like a week, and then I went back, okay? So I'm not, I don't want you to feel like I'm like some kind of food hero, okay? Uh, but I did experience this at one point, but I want to make a spiritual point, okay? So don't, 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 don't go stay on that. But, uh, but, but the truth is, is this, is... Um, it's this idea of rid yourself. Sometimes we keep the junk inside of us and it, it ruins our taste for pure spiritual milk. It messes it up. It makes us not feel that hungry. It's just like when we eat a lot of junk food. You don't want to go and eat good food after that when you fill up on junk, right? Um, and so anyway, um, he says this. We've got to do this. And this is, again, you've got to kind of evaluate, all right? Um, in Hebrews 6, one of the things that he says is we've got to move on from elementary teachings. Like, like pure spiritual milk is meant to like nourish us and strengthen us and get us all like solid with elementary truth. All right. And so that's a really important thing to think about. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 6, actually. Um, it, it's a really important right consideration here. Um, because, um, again, you don't get to look. This is what's weird about discipleship as well, is um, in the world, as people get older, you can kind of tell they're getting older, right? You can just tell over time, you see it, right? It isn't that way as disciples. You don't necessarily look at somebody and go, oh, man, clearly you've been a disciple for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or 10 years or even one year, all right? It's spiritual maturity acts differently, okay? So you can be older as a disciple, but not more mature. You could have been a disciple for a long time, and you still are like elementary teachings, okay? The elementary teachings here, you know, he says just the, these type of ideas. He says this foundation of repentance. This is an elementary teaching, that you understand the foundation of repentance from dead works, you know, and, and so here's the interesting thing is, could you sit down like right now if we were to break out and just 
share with somebody using the in, all 66 books of the Bible, not just one verse, and go, let me teach about how repentance, you know, like really is in my heart here, okay? Let me teach you from that. And, and you can take them from different verses, right? And there's like not just 2 Corinthians 7, right? Not, not just that, but you maybe could even take them into the Old Testament. Could you do that? Did they repent in the Old Testament ever? <laughs> I think they did, right? In fact, there's a whole book about it. But we get all messed up because there's a fish that eats a guy in the book, okay? And we forget it's about repentance, okay? And we're going, no, 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 Jonah. We're like, oh, Jonah's awesome because a dude got eaten by a fish. And by the way, a guy got eaten by a fish this week. I don't know if you saw that on the news or something. The whale ate him and then spit him out. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, you're going, wow. Now, see, I lost you. You're going, Jonah's awesome. No, it's not about the fish. Jonah's not about the fish. Okay, it's about repentance, and it's about God even granting repentance to his greatest enemies. Okay, but, but can you do that? Could you sit down and talk with somebody, and not just in a classroom way, but gone, this is really the way I live, and, and, and I'm striving to live, imperfectly, sure, but still striving. Oftentimes, man, it's, it's tough, because I think sometimes even as disciples, we think, oh, no, I've been a disciple a long time, but I couldn't teach anybody about repentance, Right? And going, man, okay, we've got to move on from that. Uh, about faith in God, teaching about ritual washings. That's the one that always gets us because most of your, it says baptism there. We're going, yeah, you see, you need to do the baptism study, right? No, no, no. He's talking to Jewish people who understood this more than we, more than we do, okay? And coming from their context of like, we don't ritually wash anymore, okay? Um, sometimes I think my kids ritually wash. Okay, it's like they sit in the bathtub, but they don't ever really clean themselves. Okay, so we do teach them like, no, you have to use soap. Okay, Uh, Ellie's like, no, I do use soap. I promise. I know you do. I know. I know. I know. But but from from folks who were Jews, they they go, oh yeah, we got to like teach past this, even to the point of going, you know, baptism isn't a ritual washing. Okay, you got they got to know that. They had to know that. Um, laying on of hands, whoo, boy, now we're getting just weird. That's an elementary teaching? Gosh, we're not even going to stay on that one. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He goes, we've got to move on, but we've got to crave this pure spiritual milk to where we're learning as students, okay? Um, so he's like, just like a baby, crave this stuff. Um, I'm missing a slide. Oh, I missed a slide. That's okay. Um, so I want you to think about this. Just get a picture in your head. Um, what does, what, I, I want you to, to like put yourself in a place that you're picturing your mature spiritual self. I want you to think about not what that would look like physically, but what the characteristics of that would be, okay? And it isn't just knowing more information either, by the way. I mean, Hebrews 6, he isn't saying like, you'll move on from milk when you just know more information, okay? It's like, no, you, you live that out. You embody it, right? But I want you to picture, and I hope you choose, you really want to attain that. Like whatever you're picturing, you're going, this is, and, and, and you know what's funny about that is, is because we never reach complete maturity. Until Jesus comes back, we're not going to reach absolute maturity. Okay? So all of us can picture and go, what would, spiritual, like, what would my spiritually mature self look like? 
What kind of characteristics would I display? What would come out of me that, that, that would be evident of spiritual maturity? What would be the way I navigate my life? You know, obviously what comes out of us, I think, would be kind of the first thing is, you know, the Holy Spirit produces things, right? The Holy Spirit produces fruit, just like a fruit tree, right? It is the more the Holy Spirit is nurtured and allowed to grow in the light, it produces something. Do you remember what it produces? Do you remember what he produces, the Holy Spirit? It's awesome. One thing. Can you think of one thing he produces? Self-control, okay? But we don't need any of that. We've got plenty of self-control. But isn't that awesome? Wow, my mature self, um, there should be just like this this spiritual production of self-control. That's that, that when I say spiritual, I mean that it's not explainable by human methods. Okay, it's not like oh man, you know he read he did hypnosis for six weeks and the person taught him how to be more self-control. It's like no no, no. it's inexplainable. All right, have you ever had that before? You're like ah, why do I have self-control? It's inexplainable. Good, it's supposed to be. All right, you have self-control. What about joy? Boy, that's a good one to have more of. That's a great one to have more of, right? Peace, awesome. Nothing bad yet. Patience, awesome. I mean, think about all these things. You're going, boy, my mature self, it also sounds like, wow, probably loving people well also, right? Don't you love people well when you're full of joy? Isn't it? Isn't it? helpful to be full of peace as you relate to people right. and patient and kind and gentle faithful and all these things okay i want you to picture what your mature self is you could can you picture yourself inexplicably being patient oh, oh my goodness i i usually blow my stack when i'm in, have to wait in traffic but i'm like i don't want to do that anymore good that's a good thing okay <laughs> Um, and, and here's a few other things, just maturity-wise. Can you picture yourself being intentional with your spiritual life? Like, like that you're thinking through um, not just the big picture of maybe what you're going to encounter this week. And God, how can I join you in your work? Remember, God didn't send his son to die just so we'd have a better life. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation to go and make disciples. Right? And... I don't know about you. I, I don't know how to do that. I, I know how to do like, the, the, it's the simple, like, let me give you the Bible. But as far as like, you mean changing someone's heart? I don't know. I need God. Can you picture yourself being intentional? Like thinking through each day. Each day before it starts thinking through, okay, God, I need to be equipped because there are conversations I'm going to have that on my own, I'm not going to be very effective. But through the Holy Spirit, I can be. I can be used. Okay. But it requires intentionality. Right? Can you picture that in yourself? Like intentional. Can you picture in yourself where disciple making is your heart's desire? Can you picture that? Because a lot of times you don't know what happens. I mean, I'm just sharing. Man, making disciples sometimes can feel like such a chore or so scary. Or how am I going to share my faith? Or there's nobody that's open. Or whatever it is, instead of going, wow, um, can I just have an opportunity, please, God, to just join you in the work you're doing? He's doing amazing work in Clemson. And he's doing amazing work in Easley. And he's doing amazing work in Greenville. 
And some of you guys are seeing that is as we pray, God, send me a person of peace. Right. Please let me be be used by you. And you know what's funny is, is almost every time that happens, somebody goes, man, I had this crazy interaction with somebody today. Well, I I didn't even know this was going to happen, but it was so fun and so neat. And it made my faith so much greater. And sometimes we run from being disciple makers because it's so scary and we feel so unequipped to do it. Right. And you want to know, here's what I'll say is that's a good feeling to have. Being overwhelmed and unequipped, it does something. It makes us connect to God. (laughs) Because we're not talking about just behavioral change. We're talking about spiritual change. And going, oh, this is good. Next time you feel overwhelmed, next time you feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this, good. And go, okay, God, this is where I'm at. I am at the end right here. All I can do is what you're going to equip me to do right now. And now I'm going to step out and just, we'll see what happens. I hope the parachute opens. Right. And, and that's the thing is, is this idea of of being proactive, intentional, this godly focus on other people, being a disciple maker. Can you picture yourself being that way? Can you picture yourself being that way? Right. Because that's remember, he's teaching us this. He's like, we need to rid ourselves. We've got to dig in and crave pure spiritual milk. So we'll grow and we'll mature. OK. So as we take our communion. Right. That's one of the things that talk with one another about, Um, you know, this may be a time when you do need to just have some quiet time and that's fine. Okay, but I would also encourage you to just talk with one another. Right. About the idea of, hey, what what's going on? And not just this is what I need to change, because that's not the heart of communion. The heart of communion is remembering something supernatural is that the new king did come and gave his life. For us, the new king did come and rise again. The new king does show that he has more power than anyone else. The new king does show us that new life can be had. That's what the new king has done, and that's what we're in, in communion. We get our thoughts right about that. Okay, um, and if there are things that we know that you want to know, what I have not been living this way. Okay, um, that we get open and we get honest about that.